My name is Josh Alvarez. And I am Liam O'Donnell. And you're listening to episode 112 of Cinepunks. Cinepunks. <laughs> you're listening to the episode named after Liam's favorite R&B band from the late 90s, 112. Here's the thing. If you know about 112 and you want to roast me because I didn't know who they were, I will take that heat. Let's go ahead and send that to me at Twitter, at, at Liam Rules. I also, though, uh, earlier let Josh know that I don't appreciate the works of one Mr. Luther Vandross. If that also pisses you off, you can direct those complaints to um, JP Morgan, at JP Morgan. Just let them know on Twitter that you're mad that I don't like Luther Vandross. That would be an amazing tweet to field from uh, the JP Morgan people, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I want to acknowledge that I stole that joke from another podcast, but I don't care. It's pretty good. I'm from, I, unless those guys listen to us, in which case, hey, sorry, y'all. No, you they know. don't. Okay, they're, cool. They're famous. They don't listen to us. Right, 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 right. So how's it going, hey, Liam? How you doing, you know, buddy? It's so, it's so good to talk to you. I'm so glad that we are virtually connecting, which is the only connecting I get to do anymore. Uh, I've, I don't know about you. I've had a rough week, and I'm really stoked to get to talk to you. I'm always pumped to talk to you, regardless of how rough or how not rough my week was. But just like you, I've had a rough week. But yeah, I'm, let's acknowledge first off that Josh's week was way rougher than mine because he <laughs> is on the front lines. And just because no one wants to talk about it, the reality is it's still bad out there, and Josh's <laughs> life is hard. So let's just that's up front. Yeah. Second of all, I also had a bad week. It just wasn't the same kind of bad. <laughs> <laughs> I get it, man. I get it. Hey, bad is bad, baby. You just got to keep it rolling. You know what I mean? Like. It's all good, you know, just take take the hits, keep them yeah. moving, man. Keep yeah. them moving. Well, before we jump into anything, uh, on this episode we're going to be talking about two Russian films. These are Russian films, right? Yes, yeah, they're, they're two films. movies by director Kantamir Balagov. I don't know if that's Call- I don't know if that's the correct pronunciation. I don't At this at this point I don't care. Okay, that's how it's spelled. <laughs> that's what it looks like it would be said like, you know. Yep. But anyway, we we covered uh this new director, he's 26 years old, and he yep. uh, put out two movies. The first one that we watched was a movie called Closeness, and the second one was another one called Beanpole. And we watched now, both of those movies. I picked them, by the way. Yeah, true, them. true. Josh picked these movies, I think because, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Josh, they're new, or the Closeness isn't, but Beanpole's new. It's one of those, like, it's just out. You can catch it on streaming. Uh, you can watch it in some areas in support of a local theater, so it's like it's an obvious choice in that sense. The right, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it was one of the Beanpole was one of the new movies that was coming out, and uh, Melani had uh, had a screener link for it through some streaming thing, and like so, I think it was through Kino Now or uh, or one of those. I don't know, but it was like anthology. The th- oh, anthology film archive in New York City was what right, it was. Right, 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 right. And right. Um, so proceeds went to go support them. So um, that was one of the movies, and I was like, "Oh, this looks pretty cool," and it looked—it's it, a beautiful movie, and you could tell from the trailer it looks really nice. And then when I dug a little bit deeper into the the filmography of the director, I realized that the dude was super young, and they directed another movie. So just picked that one, and here we are. I'm gonna say, not my finest selections. Not my finest selections in terms. We'll of, get there. No not, spoilers. Yeah, no, no spoilers. spoilers. It was a bummer. Okay. Before we jump into that, though, we want to uh, thank all of our uh, Patreon subscribers. Um, we really thank you so much for your support, 
for your patience with us. We really want to make the Patreon super cool. Uh, uh, I want to remind folks, for those of you who don't listen to Hard Business, we said it on there, but I want to say to you now, uh, Josh, or Josh, Justin is having some new Hard Business shirts made. We would like to send them to you. Uh, if you haven't given us your size and address on Patreon, please do that so that we can send you a shirt. Um, you may be thinking, well, I just support you guys because I love you, and I, we don't, I don't need a shirt. Well, we still want to send you one. It makes us feel better. Plus, even if you give the shirt to your cousin, the, the name of the podcast is out there in the world. So uh, <laughs> please, if you're a supporter on Patreon, uh, definitely let us know about your address and your size. I also want to officially uh, thank Daniel Reifershide, who is a new supporter, uh, and friend of the show, Dana Bellatiere. <laughs> uh, Bellatiere. Um, good friend. Good friend of the show. Been a guest. Didn't say much, but she's the best. And uh, we love her. And she she lets me know what, what she thinks of every episode. Even though the episode she was on, she didn't say a whole lot. She contacts me regularly to let me know what she thinks of what we said <laughs> on the episode. So uh, she's a great supporter. So thank you, both of you, for joining the Patreon. Um, and, you know, hey, if you have other benefits coming besides the shirts, if you want to, like, Give us ideas of what you want us to talk about. If you want us to fulfill some of these other random obligations, we're really into it. We want to do it. We just have been really busy and, you know, pandemic and all that. So <laughs> thanks to you. We also want to thank our good friends at Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. Hell yeah, man. Chris rejects the man. <laughs> he really is. And he's done great work. And we just love him. And, and like, you know, that place is officially closed right now. Uh, because you know he doesn't want to put any of his workers in danger, let alone his customers. Uh, but he's been in there as on, by himself as the owner, trying to get the most sort of urgent orders done because he doesn't want people to not get their shirts. You know, he very easily could say, "Yes, you can put orders in, but we're not going to send you shirts till this craziness is over." And he didn't want to do that. And I just, I really respect that. I respect that he, you know, is taking care of his workers. I respect that he's trying to keep them safe and that even when it's legal to open that they're going to do so in a in a staggered way. They're going to take care of people. I just think that's really respectable. So, uh, if you have anything you need screen printed, hit up those folks at Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations xlvacx.com so uh now's the time when we talk about um <laughs> it's not current events it's not current events no no it's kind of like current events though yeah. i mean it's current to us that's yeah. true something like this uh what is this it the, they call these things segments do they not yeah it's a segment and ours is called um it begins with a w i think it's like i believe uh, it starts it starts in a descending order of numbers that goes a little bit like three uh, two, two one whack and on track. track so what have you done recently that is either whack and or on track you're a jerk off <laughs> you get to go first you go first i hate That's going first get. i hate going i know first. i know i do that that's why i did that shit see that I haven't done anything. <laughs> My life sucks. Uh, <clears throat> I, okay, so obviously none of us have gone anywhere. Uh, as far as movies, I still haven't really watched that many movies because of the quarantine. The quarantine because <laughs> um, of that pandemic. Uh, I'm a little. I'm a little uh, busy with kid stuff, and uh, by the time nighttime rolls around. My wife is worn out from all the Zoom meetings and the working from home, and I'm worn out from our beautiful little daughter. And so 
uh, we usually just have time for TV. Along the TV realm, we did start watching We're Here on HBO. It's a show in which three drag queens oh, go yeah, to yeah, yeah. parts of the country where there isn't a very prominent LGBTQ scene, put on a drag show, and feature local folks who want to be in the drag show. Uh, it has all the possibility to be gimmicky, and I guess it is a little gimmicky. If, you, if you're someone who doesn't care about these issues then i don't think you're gonna be interested in the show because the show is not just about performances it's very much about the struggles of the various lgbtq folks in that area and so if that is not something you want to care about then the performances do not outweigh the human struggle it's both who who are the queens on the show it's eureka oh yeah bob the drag queen and who's the other one babe Shangela. Yeah, Eureka's actually I, one of my favorite drag queens. I love her so much. Oh, I, so here's the thing. When it comes to performance, I actually think Eureka is one of my favorites. However, the personality of Bob wins me over. <laughs> Bob is amazing. And then Shang- Shangela has a lot of very touching things to say. Like, Shangela is the one who's always, like, laying it out there and really getting at the heart of things and just uh, gets me emotional, you know? Yeah, yeah, and they, yeah. And, and it's not like... I think the idea that you might have, right, is that it, they go in and everyone is just kind of like, oh, wow, drag queens, whatever, and that there's no, like, actual struggle there. But, like, you know, the first place they go is Gettysburg, PA. And when they leave in the intro, they're, like, walking around in their full drag, whatever. After they leave a shop, a guy in the shop says, if the lady who runs this place is going to let freaks like that in here, I'm never shopping here again. And they very smartly leave that in because they like want you to know that, like, yes, this is fun and, and touching, but it's in response to something that's actually ugly. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that gets even more highlighted. They're in Branson, and uh, they, they're looking for a theater to do it in, in Branson. And one of the theaters, they haven't even gotten to the front door yet. They're just walking through the parking lot. They're not in drag. They're just normal. They're like looking like they're normal selves, which I guess they look in some sense what someone might think of as quote unquote gay looking, but not really. They mostly just look like three dudes, two of which are dudes of color. And the place calls the cops. Wow. They haven't even gotten to the front door. And this woman comes out with a phone, and this guy on the phone's like, if you don't leave right now, the authorities are going to come and arrest you. And and they're like, what do you mean? We haven't done anything. And like straight up, there are police sirens in the distance, and they're like, we've called the cops. You are being removed forcibly. Like this whole thing. And it's just like, uh, they hadn't even knocked on the door yet, buddy. Like, what are you talking Jesus about? Jesus Christ. So oh. like, it, it's a reminder that this idea that like, I still hear people say this, that like, well, it's not really an issue anymore. Well, clearly that's not true. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it for sure not, an issue. Yeah, you know, if if you're if you're you know in New York City in a specific neighborhood, you might look around and say everything's fine now. But it has not gotten into the heart of the country in a lot of places. So, anyways, I've been watching that. I really like it. And then something I mentioned to you, but I don't think I've mentioned on the show. You know, we watch a lot of kid shows with Sue's, and there's a kid show from Australia called Bluey. And we watched it on someone's recommendation. It's on the Disney Channel. Like, they bought the U.S. rights, but it's originally from Australia. And it's just so cool, man. Like, it's for kids. It's supposed to be for preschoolers. But it's the guy who created it wrote it for parents to watch with their preschoolers. So it's funny in a way. Like, there's lots of silly things for preschoolers to enjoy. Mm -hmm. But the humor is not 
when I say the humor is for adults, I don't mean because there's ass jokes, which is what people usually mean. Mm-hmm. I mean the humor is for adults because it's also smart. So there's silly things for kids and smart things for adults, but it's never like adult pandering. It's never like let's put a reference to friends or some shit. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like it's yeah. always like it's just well written. And the guy who does the voice of the dad, it's a family of uh, of a certain kind of terrier that's from Australia. It's like a blue something. So that's why the dog's name is Bluey. And these dogs are actually blue. Like that's what they look like. And so the show is all the characters are different breeds of dogs in Australia, but they live like in homes. Like they live <laughs> like human lives. You know? Yeah. And. Uh, the dad is actually a local indie rock guy that's kind of well known <laughs> for doing like film scores, and he's like in a band that's popular in Australia. I've never heard of the band, but he's so funny. Like his voice work is so funny that it makes the whole thing for like I, I just love it. So, you know, I, I think if you're not someone with kids, you might not get down with the show. But I think uh, anyone who has kids who's like all kids television makes me want to die. Uh, I recommend Bluey. It, it actually doesn't induce suicidal tendencies, <laughs> which is like crazy uh so that's that's basically it i haven't really watched any other movies i will say a few records have come out that i'm kind of stoked on um yeah what are you pumped on that new perfume genius record oh my god dude i listened to it like four times today i was a little skeptical i liked the last perfume genius record but i wasn't like blown away by it i just like it Mm. and uh i listened to a couple singles but i hadn't really dove into the record and then today adriana was like you have to listen to the record so i finally listened to the whole thing I really like it. It's very, very good. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. I adore it. Yeah, it's so, so good. That came out today. The new Magnetic Fields came out today called Quickies. did listen to that, yeah. Oh, my goodness. I mean, like, listeners of the show will know that I am a huge um, Stephen Merritt fan. And sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, those two records dropping today have been lovely. Absolutely lovely. And Sorry. then, um, you know that, that, well, I say bad. There's a project called regional justice center you're familiar yeah. with this mm-hmm. uh the uh, for those of you who wonder why i say it's a project uh, a lot of the music was written by one guy a guy named ian shelton maybe i forget his last name but he he writes most of the music and then he has a band for when they tour uh that's not exclusively true some of the recordings he's had people in the studio with him but a number of them he has not in fact i think he even released something during the quarantine that was just him uh speaking of which he just released a new project with justice from trapped under ice slash angel dust uh and uh for people who don't know justice he sang for trapped under ice he sings for angel dust he's part of pop wig and helps run pop wig records um on twitter his name is jertis i don't know if that's because someone mispronounced it once or someone spelled it wrong once and he just made it that so that's what it is so the name of the release is not Regional Justice Center. It's Regional Jertis Center. Right. And that's hilarious to me. And it, they're really just, they sound to me like Regional Justice Center songs with justice on vocals. And that's it. That's all it is. And I love it. It's only two <laughs> songs, so uh, it doesn't overstay its welcome. But Justice is doing this like almost uh, thrash style like really loose vocal you know it's not his like heavy yell from trapped under ice it's like a much more like 80s inspired john and it it slays it's very good and they're pictured on the cover of the record and apparently justice has grown the most uh intense mullet i've seen in a while so (laughs) that's a plus that's a plus as well so i'm in i'm in it's two songs but if you like heavy music then i think it's worth checking out cool 
Cool. Yeah, I actually saw saw that regional jurist thing pop up on my Spotify, and I was like, did they misspell this? This seems a little incorrect, but... No, it's now a weird inside joke thing. Yeah, his 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 Twitter has been Jertis since Twitter started, and I don't know why. I don't know him well enough to say, what's up with your Twitter? Right. Fair enough. Huh. Okay. Cool. <laughs> so That's the cool you make when I know you're transitioning and you're trying to figure out what to say next. Yeah, no, that's exactly what that is. That's me just being like, okay, Liam's going to keep talking, right? No, he's not. So let me no. think of something to say now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, because you're supposed to lead into your thing. I thought you would be ready. Yeah, to a lot of times you, you don't stop talking, though. Up. A lot of times you keep uh, on talking, though. That's, you, wh- it's your charm. Why are you, tra- why are you trying to break up our podcast today? <laughs> it's on your this charm. That's what I love about one, you. On this one recording. So lately, uh, Melani and I have been watching a lot of movies. We watched a movie called Bit. Which is a uh, it was a 2019 comedy horror like a vampire movie about uh it, it's about this uh, young lady who goes to L A and she goes there to live with her brother and uh, she gets bit by a vampire and then joins like a vampire girl gang kind of thing and um, yeah it was fun uh, the the main actress in the movie uh, she's a a trans character and played by a trans actress. So I her her name is uh, Nicole Maines, and um, yeah, I thought she was. It was a pretty good movie. It was uh, it was kitschy. It was pretty fun. It it wasn't like heavy duty zombie gore or anything like that. Like it wasn't super like bloody or anything like this, but um, it was overall pretty enjoyable. It was fun, and um, it was it's it's it has like a bit of a. I don't want to say like a feminist slant to it, but it's definitely like a, a movie about like, you know, uh, struggles of this kind. Does that make sense? Sure. No. Yeah, that does. And um, it is. I, I found it to be pretty fun and it was engaging and I, I enjoyed it the whole way through. Like a lot of times I watch these kinds of movies and like just z- vampire movies in general are not my favorite. You know what I mean? Like with the failure accept- on your part. Yeah, perhaps a failure on my part, and I'm willing to, to, to admit that about myself. But also, it's like, you know, there's there's Lost Boys, and then there's every other one. You know what I mean? Like, I get it. It's fine. Your disrespect of Fright Night will not stand. Yeah, but you also know my standing dislike of Fright Night has... Even the old one. Even the old one. Or the new one. I didn't like them either. So, you know, that's a thing. I mean, one of them, it makes sense. The new one is trash. But the old one is classic. Yeah, it's fine. Not, or, not only is it classic... It's also so awesomely queer in the best possible way. Well, this movie is overtly queer in in a very obvious way. So, you know, I that said, I thought it was really good. Um, we also went back and we visited a movie from 1986 called The River's Edge, starring Crispin awesome. Glover and Keanu Reeves and Ioni Sky. And um, I hadn't seen it since, like, back then and Melani had never seen it. So it was like one of those like, Oh, well we should watch it. And we did. And, um, yeah, it's such like a weird and despondent movie. Do you remember this movie? Oh yeah. Big fan. Oh my goodness. I like rewatching it. I realized like, wow, this is like really, really good. Like Dennis Hopper is amazing in it. And, um, just all the characters are so like blissfully detached. And it's like such a weird time capsule. Key, like young Keanu Reeves and Ioni Sky, who apparently was married when she did that and had a different name and all that stuff, which I didn't know anything about. But um, yeah, uh, it was a it was a pretty fun watch. It was pretty interesting uh, interesting to see again after such a long time. 
So uh, that happened. And then we watched a movie, uh, a recent documentary called Spaceship Earth. Have you heard about this movie? I have, actually. What did you think of it? Uh, it is about the Biosphere 2 experiment, which is like, uh, it was about uh, eight um, eight scientists uh, that um, wanted to co- conduct a social experiment about locking themselves into a locked ecosystem for two years. And um, it was it's pretty uh pretty informative it definitely was marketed as like uh this was a weird cult kind of thing and it definitely was not like a culty kind of movie you know what i mean like like i don't know part of me was expecting like a process church kind of inside look on that kind of like oh man and then they did sure. the yoga but like it wasn't anything like that it didn't really have like uh i mean there were elements of like just the weird like there was like a leader dude and everyone like kind of bowed to that dude but also like there's a lot of infighting and then they blamed it on like the lack of oxygen within the ecosystem and all this weird stuff. And well, it's funny because the way the way I heard it described was that it's it's a lot more about the idea that science should be allowed to fail and these people weren't allowed to fail. Like their failure meant the whole idea was a bad idea, as which by the way, is not a very scientific way to look at anything. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely it's definitely more of like again, it's more about like the attempt as opposed to like what they found kind of thing. But um, it's funny because it happened in 88, I believe. And uh, I definitely remember, oh, it happened in 91. But um, I remember when that shit was happening because I was in like uh, maybe uh, seventh or eighth grade. So like I remember when all of that shit was going down and like all like the reporters and talking about it and all that stuff. So like seeing that, as an adult and realizing like what all that hubbub was about was definitely an interesting, like, Oh, that's what these guys were all weird about. Like didn't know, you know what I mean? So, um, so yeah, so I thought that was a, it was a pretty, it was a pretty interesting documentary. Um, I didn't think it was bad. I thought it was a really, um, I don't want to say fun, but it was definitely interesting to see like the lives of the people that went into it, you know what I mean? Sure, yeah. So um, it was, it was, and like just like the whole like media to do of the whole thing was like, wow, that's that's a lot. It's a lot of stuff. So um, so yeah, so watch that. And uh, oh, also I watched on the waterfront in celebration of May Day, and um, yeah, I hadn't seen it in a long time. And uh, I think was, we talked about that on the last episode, didn't we? I don't think so. No. We, Oh man, it's so good. It's so good. We didn't record since May first, did we? Did we not? Oh man, I didn't realize it'd been that long. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, so I watched on the waterfront on May Day in celebration of uh, labor's rights and all this stuff. And uh, yeah, it was definitely. I left watching that movie with tears in my eyes. It, it like, and I'd seen it a couple times before, but I'd never like had the opportunity to actually just sit down and like take it in on May Day. So. Um, Watching it that watching it on that day with those thoughts in my mind definitely made the experience different. And uh, it yeah, if you guys haven't seen it, that's a that's a movie you got to see. We should definitely do an episode on that movie alone because it's it's worth it. It's so good to watch and just man. It's, I guess I guess we could have planned it for May Day, but I didn't think about it. Yeah, no, it's cool. It's fine. There's a pandemic going on, Liam. You're not going to think of everything. Um, oh, that's true. That's true. So, yeah, so uh, those were the movies that I've watched recently. As far as records go, today was a big day. Like, that um, Perfume Genius record dropped today, um, which, as we had said earlier, is magnificent. And then the Magnetic Fields put out a record called Quickies, which is, um, it's got something like 
30 songs on it, 28 songs, and it clocks in at 46 minutes and 52 seconds. So essentially, it's like a 40-song record or a 30-song record that has no choruses in it. It's all just like straight, no repeating songs. Like You know how like songs are like verse, chorus, verse? This is just all verse, and then the song's done. Um, some people find that to be irritating. I think it's really good and charming in the way that I think that all the magnetic field record, like most of the magnetic field records are, are charming. And I really, really like it a lot. Also today came out a record called all that glue, which is a comp by the Sleaford mods. And it's basically a lot of remastered and B side versions of, uh, uh, singles and stuff like that. And I'm a big Sleaford mods fan. So, you know, it's good to have it all in one play. That's pretty cool. And then, uh, do you know this band called public practice? No, they are like a art post punk kind of band. They're current from New York City and they put out a record today called Gentle Grip that uh, it's got like a real buzzy like I don't really know how to explain it. It sounds like a like a arty garage rock band. And uh, I've been listening to that record today, too. And I like that one a lot. So. So, yeah, so that's what I've been doing. That is on track. Uh, Whack has just been existing. So it's cool. But um, other than that, everything's good. That's what I got going, man. Yeah, existence right now is pretty whack, guys. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, if you're feeling that way, don't don't feel weird about that. That's just, that's real. That's what it is. Yep, it's a thing, and like it's just uh, terrifying to think about reopening as well as not reopening. So, uh, as far as like the emotional investment of the way things are going to be as we move forward, it's definitely terrifying. And uh, I mean, you know, whatever. I guess I'm just preaching to the converted at this point. That's what we're I mean, all thinking. I, I really want to say, except for a few like utter total wackadoos out there who are getting a lot of the media, I think there is a tension starting to build between people who think we should stay inside and people who think we shouldn't stay inside. And all I want to say is this isn't actually the choice we should be making. The choice should have been, have we done enough to protect ourselves so that we are now ready to go outside. But the horrifying reality is that our government has actually done fucking nothing. You know, yeah. that they've made no efforts to make the necessary changes to the ventilators, to hospitals, to get tests out there. Like, it, it, the issue should have been, okay, do we now have enough tests going? Do we know enough about the virus? Do we know that hospitals have increased capacity enough that we could take the risk of going outside? Instead, it's either we need to stay inside or we need to go outside. And it's like, that's not actually the decision we should be having to make right now. Yeah. Yeah. No. And it's like, I don't even know how one would gauge like appropriate responses for these things anyway. Like, cause in practice it all looks way different than in theory. You know what I mean? Like people talk about these tests, like they could just like, mass produce them and like all this other stuff which you know theoretically you should be able to but also like the administration of the test is terrible and it's super invasive and it, it just from what i've seen at work it sucks and it's like oh it's it's horrible but i think at very least if we had the antibody test we'd have an idea of where the virus had already gone yeah no no that's where not it's at I, that's that's definitely not incorrect i'm just saying like dude like all these things are theory but man just sucks you know what i mean like word all that shit is whack, dude. All of it sucks. It's, but I mean, the whole situation is terrible. It's just I, I feel like 
the it's really easy if you're in a position where you need it to open up soon or else you feel like you're going to not be able to live and that's a lot of people uh i mean a lot of people have just lost their jobs period and you know opening yeah. up isn't going to change that but there are a lot of people who are really struggling right now and they're and they're getting really angry and it's easy to say that they're all crazy and they all don't understand uh, how this works and they and they don't care about people's lives. They're just seeing the damage caused in the other direction. And the issue should have been more of a, okay, do we have enough protections? Yeah. But the, the level of protections hasn't really changed in any significant way from when this shit fucking started. So the decision now is just, can I stay inside or not? It becomes almost like an individual thing. Like, well, some people are just going to stay inside and, and work from home, and that's going to be okay for them. And other people, they can't do that. And it's going to be around a class, and it's going to be around what kind of job you have, and it's going to be around what your bosses think. And that all of that is just fucking even more terrifying than it needs to be. Yeah. It's like, it, it, you know, things were always going to suck, but we've made sure it sucks as much as possible. <laughs> I will say, though, that... uh Companies that have stepped up to make PPE for people like sure. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, people like hospitals are, are still suit. My hospital in particular is super under under equipped to deal with all this. And like something like uh, recently um, a shipment just didn't get delivered on time or whatever or at all. So like we're just like really strapped for stuff. So um, it's it makes me feel really good to know that like companies like reload that uh you know that make um bicycle messenger bags that i that in philadelphia they they've uh, been making free ppe free masks for people who work in healthcare so like i got one of those and like just stuff like that like people coming together uh even um uh the drummer krosky's dave wagon shoots he has a sponsorship with um I forget which drum company it is, but he's got like a drum company sponsorship or whatever. And uh, they've transitioned from making drum heads to making actual masks. Like that shit is cool, man. Like to repurpose your entire operation to help. And it definitely, it definitely gives me a little bit of faith in these trying times. You know what I mean? Like that there are people out there that like understand the dire situations and that are willing to put their, their ethics where their money is and make things that would help help people get through you know for real yeah so big respect to companies like walls caps who's a cycling cap manufacturer they've been transitioning to making masks for people and if you send them your healthcare worker status like they'll send you masks for free they're pretty cool and uh again reload in philadelphia right on second street second spring garden they've been making masks available free to uh there you can buy them if you're not a healthcare worker but they've been making them for healthcare workers for free so big respect to roland and all those people that place is awesome and um if you're a healthcare worker and you're in need of certain things definitely um hit us up and we can we can connect you with uh whatever services that i know about that have been helping people in the city of philadelphia yep all right well we're gonna take our first break and we're gonna come back we're gonna talk about closeness Oh my goodness, and being pole. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we'll be right back.
And we're back. Oh, yeah. There was one thing I forgot to mention. <laughs> By oh, the yeah? way, my whacking on track. Um, Krotsky's got to participate in a thing with uh, Black, Coat, Black Shirt Music, where we dropped a um, charity t-shirt along with uh, five other bands with uh, American Television, who are our friends, and uh, Digger, uh, Fire in the Radio, featuring Mr. Ed Olson on bass, who you may remember as a singer from a little band called Go for the Throat, and um, Sam I Am. <laughs> and uh yeah, yeah yeah it's uh we did shirts that um it's like charity shirts where part of the proceeds are going to uh doctors without borders which is uh you know charitable organization that helps fund doctors go to places where they're needed so um so yeah so if you want an exclusive cross keys shirt you can go there uh black shirt music on instagram and uh there's links and all that stuff so big up to those guys for doing some cool stuff and for working with a cool organization like Doctors Without Borders. And um, also the shirt is pretty cool. <laughs> Just saying. The Krosky, it's very good. It's the Krosky very good. shirt was inspired by uh, a little thing called... Uh, oh yeah, Weston was the other band. So it's like Weston, um, Digger, Sam I Am, American Television, and Fire in the Radio, and us. So it's like a pretty cool lineup. Like if that was the show, I'd be psyched. And... Um, our t-shirt was inspired by the 1995 uh, hardcore youth crew shirts of my youth <laughs> that I loved. Like Andrew was like, so what do you want it to look like? I was like, black and white picture on the back, college block printing, and uh, I wanted to say a quote from one of the songs. So <laughs> that's what it did. It's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was actually originally a Cinepunks idea, that we would have a picture of us in like youth crew pose, <laughs> holding microphones. But, yeah, uh, we actually have had a lot of good shirt ideas we never got to follow through on. You're definitely not wrong. You're definitely not wrong. But, you know. Yeah. Any, oh, yeah. Also on some weird shirt business. Um, today, uh, I had a day off. So I was uh, going for a bike ride because it was like 80 degrees outside. And who should I run into but former guest of the show, Mr. Director Matt Garrett. And Matt said hi to me because he was going for a little walk. And he had a mask on. And we were socially responsible and distant. But also... He was wearing a rough cut shirt. He was wearing the rock and roll high school print. So I was oh, like, oh, good, man. man, that's awesome, man. This, was this, it the original or the uh, bleached one? The original, yeah, yeah. The uh, the black with the pink writing. Yeah, totally. So good, so good. But yeah, big up to Matt, and uh, I was happy to see him today. So, you know, that's cool. All right. So, uh, Josh, yeah. uh, why don't you tell us what this movie you picked is about, you jerk? I was like, yo, what's going to make Liam cry all day? Let's watch that. <laughs> it didn't, though. I, You know me. If it had made me cry all day, I would have appreciated it more. <laughs> it was. Uh, so what, What's it about? We'll walk us through it. Okay, so the first movie we're going to talk about is the first in Kantamir Balagov's uh, uh, filmography called Closeness. It was uh, actually a movie that was uh, originally a short film that he had done for his, for his degree in film. And... Um, then after I guess he graduated, he made a full bore, full length movie, feature length movie about it, and so the movie is about the cultural minority of Jewish people in the northern corridor of Russia, and um, they are uh, it's like a small insular community, and there is um, a couple that get engaged and they're uh, about to get married. They have a party. Where uh, they're like their family and friends all gather, and they're just about to get they're announcing their engagement, and um, everybody's having a good time. And there's like a rebellious sister, and um, you know there's a whole bunch of family members and everything. And um, 
what ends up happening is they have the party and at the end of the party everybody's going home and uh, the the fiance decides to help the his fiance walk to walk her home he's walking her, her home the brother in the fa- in the main family yes the brother in the main family the one who's engaged is, is taking his fiance home and on their way home they are abducted and the next day a ransom note shows up demanding money and it's like a really high ransom. And so um, you find out that they were kidnapped by the uh, the majority of the Muslim people that live in this part of northern Russia or whatever. Yeah, so this is the part of Russia, for those of you who know a little bit about the history, these were the various tribes that were connected to the the flats below the Caucasus Mountains. And so the they're specifically in uh, Kabari territory, but there was originally like 12 of these tribes, and then when Russia conquered the area, they basically uh, exterminated eight of the 12 tribes, and there's only four left. And so these are... Uh, you know, European white folks, but they have been Muslim for more than a thousand years. You know, just a long time that area has been uh, culturally related to Turkey, uh, uh, but now has been part of Russia since like the 1850s, I think this happened. Something mm. like that, 1860s, something around there. Yeah. So basically what ends up happening is that the Jewish community bands together and they try to pool their money to be able to afford the ransom because for some reason they can't call the cops, which I don't know how things work over there. I don't know what the deal is with that, but I think there's a, I think it says in the note, like we will murder them if you call the cops. And there's a general feeling that that's a real, unlike here where we kind of go, yeah, 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 whatever you want your money. Their Uh, response is they will just kill them. Like we we can't call the cops. Yeah, so the the community tries to pool all their resources to be able to get the kids back, but they can only afford to pay for one of the children, and it's determined that they're going to pay for the the girl because her mom doesn't have anyone else in her family, and she's like, you know, the the only person in the family. So, uh, so they decide to pool the communal money for the for the lady, which leaves. The rebellious sister at ends with trying to figure out how she's going to get money to save her brother, who she cares about a lot. And then um, all this stuff happens, and a lot of it's real fucked up. And then eventually uh, she gets the money, and the son is returned. Uh, yeah, I guess we should have said spoilers. <laughs> yeah. But that's I okay. Mean, the movie's been out for a few years. I think when we talk about Beanpole, we might just be a little vague because it's like just came out you know what i mean yeah Um, but i think for this movie it's been out for a little bit and honestly i don't know that we're gonna insist you go find this thing anyway so yeah i mean again it's not a bad movie it's just disturbing in ways that i think uh, are egregious (laughs) and uh i mean granted it's a brutal story to tell but man it's fucked up so the central sort of idea here for people who who are trying to figure out like what what's the Besides the kidnapping, what is sort of the drama at stake? And it's the the movie's a period piece, which is a, a strange choice because other than the other than the way they're dressed, the only reason that matters is because there's a section in which so she the the our main character is really the daughter. The son is important. The whole family's important, but it's really about the daughter's life. And she one of the ways that she's in rebellion is that she's dating this Muslim. Uh, gentleman yeah and at a party he sort of lives at a gas station that he works at and at a party at the gas station him and his friends start watching a video of chechen rebels 
which turns out to be a real thing, which is upsetting in and of its own. But I think it's it sort of puts it in a time and place and puts the whole story in a time and place. Uh, and that time and place is that that area is starting to change. And one of the ways it's starting to change is that you, you these young people want independence from their parents. And in the context of the film, it really feels like the daughter is the rebellious one. The son is engaged. He's going to have a family. It, he seems very normal. Um, and and the, a lot of the movie is about the ways in which she feels stifled by her family and she feels constrained by her family. And so, the yes, the plot is about his kidnapping, but it's not really. It's about her dealing with her family who she's already alienated from and the family, all of their solutions for this problem lean into very conservative tendencies, whether that's the reaching out to the synagogue and to the community around the synagogue. Uh, but eventually it, it it's, they're looking for a dowry for her that yeah. they're going to like, you know, if you are cynical, they're selling her off. If you are traditional, you know, this is her role is to get married. The, and they've let her in a sense, according to their sort of viewpoint, not get married because they're trying to be modern and they're not going to pressure her and they're going to let her do what she wants to do. But like, it's still the norm in that area that women get married and the families that marry them off get money. That's how it works. That's how things are. So even though they do it in the worst possible way, I almost got the feeling they did it that way because they knew it was a bad idea. Like they don't even ask her about it. They just decide for her. Yeah. And I feel like that decision is actually a sign that they fear they don't have control of her. You know what I mean? Yeah. I I felt like if they really believed that they were the parents and they could tell her anything, they would have just told her. But they don't tell her, y'all. They're just like, look, we did it. We already made the agreement, and now we can get your brother, so you have to do it. And, of course, she doesn't want to do it, you know, and she'd rather go and be with her, you know, Muslim uh, boyfriend and all that stuff. That being said... um, one could see this then as a film that is like in some sense kind of feminist, right? Like it's, it's a story of female empowerment and getting away from your family and not treating women as property. But I actually think the movie's a little conservative on this point because, yeah, because it ends up feeling like that was what was the correct way to do things. Cause she ends up being just like, it sets it up in such a way that like the end, the final rub is that she's, she just is a member of the family. She ends up stepping in to show compassion when the brother does not. So the assumption here, right, is that she's the disloyal one because she doesn't want to fall into her traditional gender role. But the part of the re- whole reason I feel like the brother wants to get married is he wants to get out of the house. And when the family's like, look, we can't, you can't get married anymore because we can't afford to live here. We don't have a business here. We, we got rid of everything for you. So you owe us to come live with us and your marriage is off. He's like, literally i don't owe you shit that was your responsibility was to help me and now as a free individual as a modern person as a person without obligations to family i am staying here with the love of my life and she steps in to stay with them almost as an act of compassion and it kind of in the end affirms her gender role and it affirms his gender role let alone earlier the i the this awful scene with her boyfriend where she basically like wants to be with him sexually only as a form of rebellion and then when she realizes what a bad idea that is tries to stop him and it's like 
it didn't feel like they were taking her change of heart seriously. She doesn't end up getting raped, but the scene seems sympathetic to her boyfriend in a way that I felt was problematic. Yeah, I would agree and, to that. Yeah. And, and and just the idea of showing when you know, this is a Russian film, the audience is Russian. You're certainly not looking for sympathy for these folks when you're showing so so the 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 reveal that we will let you guys know and I think it's worth doing just as like a content warning for people. They show a real Chechen rebel video in which multiple Russian soldiers are actually murdered and one is beheaded in the film. And yeah. He doesn't fake any of it. It's an actual video. So like that says to me I I just think when you deploy that sort of violence in a in that context, that is not an attack on Russian identity, but an affirmation of it. It's an affirmation of the nationalist tendencies to be like, yeah, these Muslims who live in this area, they hate you so much that they're watching videos of Russian soldiers. I mean, they literally refer to Russians as borscht eaters, which is says to me they don't like them very much. <laughs> yeah. No, and like I think part of like that scene, like the 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 worst, the worst indictment of that entire scene is like how disen, disenchanted they are with the whole thing. Like they're just kind of watching it, and it's that's probably the most disturbing thing about that sequence to me, that they're just so jaded and just like whatever. And like that feels like an indictment on the on Belga's part. That's his voice there, you know. I I mean I do think let's be clear. I I don't want to lionize. Not lionize. I don't want to villainize them too much because those very same videos, you know, that they're watching, that they have a connection to those videos, right? Like, yeah. the The idea here is that they have been oppressed by Russia, and maybe that's not true anymore, but it was true at one point. And here's another Muslim community, not too different from theirs, that's being oppressed by Russia, and so like, there's some identification there. Meanwhile you know and i know that in the early days of the internet there were uh american kids with no connection watching the same videos and watching isis videos and what you know what i mean like yeah, the yeah, idea yeah. that teenagers will watch fucked up shit if they have access to it is like just a universal truth so i i, I don't want to like make it too weird but i think showing it is trying to make you hate them in a certain way or at least have some reaction to them and it's exacerbated when one of them makes a basically anti-semitic comment as well Mm, yeah just just in the sense of like the guy who's who's talking about why they're watching the video points out that their community has been oppressed as well as the other tribes as well as jewish folks you know saying that all the the various ethnic groups in this area are kind of under the thumb of russia for you know 140 some years at that point and uh and one of the guys just goes, well, I don't care about Jewish people. And that becomes an issue, obviously. Yeah, she's because Jewish. she's Jewish and she's in there. Yeah. Oof. Yes. Yeah. It's, again, so I, I think you were right that it's it's not a badly constructed movie. I think maybe it meanders a little bit than it sh- more than it should. Um, maybe it's a little too, like, naturalistic in how it's shot in some ways. But I think the performances are really strong. Yeah, I, I thought think, that the uh, the lady who played the the sister who played Ilya was really really good, but yeah, the story is just horrific, right? Like it's just it's rough to watch. I don't need a movie to hold my hand, but I actually think it's brutal in a way that has no emotional connection. Like I didn't 
find myself caring too much about the brutality and about the the difficulty of it. I mean, there was a general sense of like melancholy, like this, you know, let's be clear. All of these communities are in this position because of lack of opportunity in some sense. Like y- you don't have casual kidnappings in a community that has a lot of job opportunities. You know what I mean? You don't have, you don't have, um, uh, you don't have profitable kidnapping in a community that has reliable policing. You know what I mean? Like the the all, every part of this film, whether it's the the divide between the various communities that live there, whether it's the edge at which the parents live, where because this is this has happened, they have to like abandon everything and move to another place. All the sort of elements of this movie, even the idea that these kids are passing around VHS tapes from these rebels, it's all related to a social situation that's bad. And I think the film shows you that and is unafraid to show you that. And that part I identify with and I appreciate that it's that it's connected to that stuff. But the movie doesn't care, really. The movie is more concerned with the family and the family dynamics. And I just didn't find that that compelling. I just thought, like, the parents are compelling, but that's it. Mm. Okay, I'll give you that. For me, at least, I I just I I wasn't emotionally. It, it's weird to be depressed by a movie that I don't feel emotionally connected to. <laughs> yeah, I did feel emotionally connected though. I did feel like the whole culture divide and the generation gap between the kids and the rebellious daughter and the parents. Like I definitely felt that uh, at its core moved this family drama forward. You know what I mean? Like it definitely felt. Like that was one of the more hu- human parts of the movie. Maybe not necessarily humane, but it definitely was like, oh, I get that. You know what I mean? Like I resonated with that disparity between their perspectives. So as far as that goes, as far as the depiction of that in, in a movie goes, I thought that he did really well with it. I thought that that was very effective. Um, again, the subject matter was very depressing, though, and it was just, like, it was a lot, you know? There's also a lot of stuff that I felt was, like, really on the, like, a little too on the nose, like the fact that she wears the jacket with the lion on it whenever anything, like, happens, you know what I mean? And, like, uh, it's supposed to be, like, some type of, like, oh, this is the rebellious roaring spirit of this child woman, you know? Like, I get it. It's fine. It was just a little too much for me, like, a little too close to, a little too on the nose, you know? I mean, even the point, the scene where she rejects this boy who wants to love her, it's just, I mean, don't get me wrong, it's dehumanizing to be like, well, I gave your parents money, so we're going to we're gonna be oh, married. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, that's horrifying. But her, like, dropping her bloodied underwear on the table. Oh, yeah, was that was like, brutal. It was a little like, uh, uh, really? I don't know. <laughs> My feelings is like, eh, like, I, I don't know. I had trouble connecting to some of what was going on emotionally, and then it's also very distancing in its brutality. But I also just think, like, uh, despite the great performance from this girl, I don't know that, or this actress, uh, actor rather, I don't know that she is given that much of like a in-depth character. Like, I, I, it doesn't feel like she's portraying a real person to some extent. You know, like, yeah, some of it is just so exaggerated and so. Um, I don't know. I mean, I guess it makes sense a little bit. There's probably a certain naivete inevitably with being in that isolated of a community, but it, mm-hmm. it didn't all work for me. And, and I needed it to work more for me to then feel okay about the like super harsh bits. Yeah. Okay. I get that. I definitely think that, um, 
I think naivete is like definitely a good word for a lot of the way the story unfolded. Overall, I thought it was a good movie. Uh, I didn't enjoy it, though. And uh, I guess that in and of itself is a weird, weird line to toe, you know? I think for me, I, I'm also just anxious that I think there's this like weird underlying conservative tendency that felt like it like uh, it took the story in a direction that I, that I just was like, is this really how we want to end this thing? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I also just think the whole like I heard that this was a true story, you know, or, or this <laughs> really happened where I'm from it, it was unnecessary. And I and I don't understand how it functions, especially with the way the film ended. So I don't know. It's I, I would only recommend it to someone who felt like they needed to catch up. Maybe you saw Beanpole and you felt like you needed to catch up with this guy's other movie. Then I would say, sure, check it out. But I would never, I don't think, recommend this movie in the sense of like, oh, you're just looking for a, a foreign film to watch that's mildly depressing. Here's one. Like, it, it, it yeah, just no. be on my list. I would agree. I would agree. But that leads us to our next movie that we're talking about. His second movie, Beanpole. What were your thoughts on Beanpole? So uh, f- this is going to be hard, y'all, because there's a really shocking thing that happens right away. And I don't want I don't know if it's a spoiler to talk about it because I didn't see any trailers for this movie. Yeah. So I don't know if it was revealed in the trailers. And even if it was, most people who seek this movie out ha- probably have not seen a trailer. Yeah. You know what I mean? So uh, I guess suffice it to say... The, they're two friends they met while in military service during World War II. We're now in Russia after World War II in a sort of, it, it feels like a very um, obscure location maybe, or, or at least a place that is still sort of getting itself together, which is probably true of most of Russia. And uh, our main character, who everyone refers to as Beanpole because she's so tall, and hence the name of the film, works in a hospital. And she has a child. Uh, which is revealed eventually is not her child, but her French child that she watches. Um, there is a tragic event, and uh, her friend and her find different ways to deal with this. Eventually, her friend finds a relationship uh, while she is uh, asked at the hospital to fulfill a difficult role of being sort of an angel of death. Various people who are in a position where it's not clear that they will recover, ask this doctor to help them die, and she is expected to fulfill those demands. Yeah, she, like, helps. Yeah, it's, well. Yeah, when you put it that way, it sounds a lot more dour, but go on. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's it's fucked. And then um, as time goes on, uh, it's decided that she... We'll have a child, uh, whether she wants to or not. Yeah. And things continue to go downhill from there with a variety of mishaps, uh, which sounds kooky, but it's not. It's all sad yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's all real and real sad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, b- basically, it is it is all of the mm, dourness and intensity and brutality of his first movie, but put into a context in which it feels for me a little more earned which i don't know makes the movie more watchable or not uh but it also looks better like not that um closeness looked terrible it just but closeness look looked a lot more diy yes uh, looked a lot less polished than the way beanpole yes. looked um i kind of think that 
uh, this movie definitely has an aesthetic that's much more akin to uh, uh, Jean-Pierre Jeunet, like uh, Amelie kind of like colorful, you know, look to lots of colors everything is blown out but but of course that makes it sound like it's bright in some of the scenes the the colors feel there's a contrast between some parts are very red and green and whatever and other parts Mm. are so muted that you feel like you're choking on whatever's going on in that room like the color is very effective it's definitely a character in the movie it's not just a palette by which they paint the picture it's definitely it's it's indicative of a lot of the stuff that's happening on screen and uh i think that's actually pretty masterful for a director to pull off um in the way that he does like it's very it doesn't feel forced it feels very natural for such an unnatural story that said this movie and uh closeness I kind of feel like they both are these meditations on agency of these main protagonists, these female characters that are vulnerable in ways that the rest of the characters in the movie are not. And um, sure, I think that uh, this movie in that regard as well is just as brutal and just as uh, just as dehumanizing as closeness was. I think so. I think it, it does a better job in some ways of focusing on the gender specific issues at play in these women's lives though that's obviously in closeness it's more explicit in this film but it doesn't say anything it, it has nothing to say about it other than to highlight that these uh these two women are were expected to transgress gender roles in order to participate in the army but once they were there they were forced into gender roles that were almost against their will and now that they've done that which was sort of put as a service to the state they're expected to conform back into more traditional gender roles all Mm -hmm. within a society that is officially on paper beyond gender roles that the that the that the communist state has surpassed these things and so um i think the film kind of highlights a lot of the 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 dynamics at play without being didactic however it also has no take it has no opinion it just like other than to say this sucks for them and that is terrible (laughs) it doesn't have a a viewpoint which i think in the end sort of suggests that like you know i don't know it it it, there's something underlying for me that's also a little bit conservative just like the other movie yeah yeah, yeah. that's that is a little like oh i don't know how i feel about this Uh, you know if you put on paper like hey this this person made two russian films that deal with gender dynamics uh and uh and the struggles of women i'm like oh that sounds interesting but i i don't know both of them seem really incomplete to me and and my anxiety with beanpole is is that um i think they're sort of like a unearthed a not quite unearthed um sapphic element that they that um, the character that people refer to as Beanpole might have feelings for her friend that go beyond friendship, mm, yeah. but the film treats that as only an unspoken reality. Uh, and 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 the last thing I think any of us need right now is like a another lesbian related story that just ends in tragedy. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah, the idea yeah, of the yeah. tragic lesbian, and especially because the film also refuses to give us a take on her friend. Is her friend interested in that? Is that actually what's going on here? Is she is is that character is the beanpole character just afraid of sex? Like uh, it, the the film never clarifies, which 
I don't know if it would have to. It's just such a complicated issue in Russia right now with there being like just straight up anti LGBTQ laws that this movie feels like, well, is this really where you want to go with this? Because it, it, I don't know. I, I Again, I don't want to say too much and spoil it for anyone, but I just was concerned about all those aspects. Mm. Yeah. They definitely didn't develop that other character either. The being Paul's friend in this movie. No. I feel like she was definitely like her motivations just seem sinister. And again, it, she just, there were parts of the movie that felt like, um, her only purpose in these sequences was to challenge the agency of our protagonist, right? Right. Like, it's just her telling her what to do and she doesn't want to do it. And, uh, I mean, like, again, there's maybe there's just a bunch of subtleties that I missed because I don't know anything about Russian cinema. But also, just as a personal, as a viewer, as a person just was watching this movie, it definitely had a lot of stuff to it that I was like, I don't really know what's happening here. You know what I mean? Like, I definitely felt like there was the conflict and I felt that, but also like I just didn't understand the context of it. There's, there's a scene where the, the other, so the, other, the two women, the other woman goes to with her, I guess boyfriend really, though it's not, that hasn't really been clarified yet. Uh, she goes with him to meet his family and she has this moment at the table where she's being challenged by his mother. And rather than just be cowed by her, she like, as an act of defiance kind of lays out her whole story. We've gotten so little indication of the details and the depth of that story that when she does it, it's so extreme that I started to think, is she lying? Is she making yeah, this up? Yeah, 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 and, yeah. And again, part of that's on us. Like, I don't know the history of the women on the front in World War II in Russia. So maybe her just saying we were serving we would know, oh, well, that means they were sort of mm. army wives and that they had a number of husbands and all this stuff. Maybe that would have been clear to us, but it wasn't clear. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and the film spends so little time exploring who she is other than her pressuring our main character to do a bunch of stuff that in that moment where we're supposed to, I think, feel sympathy for her, it's hard. It's just like, well, that all came out of nowhere. Like, what is Yeah, that? it just feels like hard to connect to it, honestly. Because, again, like, even the child, you don't know anything about the child. You know what I mean? Like, so wait a minute. Like, where did, was this, and how, I, I, I didn't understand how she was, like, not moving on with her life in the way that uh, Beanpole had, right? Like, she was still in some type of war capacity, like I didn't; it, those things didn't right. seem she clear stayed, to me. Like, she stayed on the front. Well, the suggestion she makes in the movie is that her husband died, and now she stayed on the uh, in that area to like get some sort of revenge or something. Um, but that's unclear what yeah. that means, and it's unclear that she's being honest because so much of her life is obscured. And uh, I don't know; it it it, it is it is because of the context of it and the time period is so filled with suffering that is real and undeniable that it feels less for me at least um it feels less like um like a spectacle than the first film it feels more in context but it, it balances that that out to me with even more brutality and even more cruelty 
to its yeah. characters such that I still end the movie going like, what did we accomplish here? Like, what is this about? Like, why why does this exist? And again, not to say that you couldn't just make a movie that is just a, another testament to human, you know, man's inhumanity to man. Like, <laughs> that's fine. Like, I'm not saying that that can't exist. It just, uh, I just didn't connect with it here. That being said, Man, this movie looks amazing. Yeah, it really does, like, on an aesthetic level, look really beautiful. And uh, just the portrayals of, like, the abject scenarios surrounding Russia post-World War II, it just looks, it looks beautiful, for sure. But, uh, yeah, nah. You know, I I think if someone had to choose between these two things, like they're curious about this guy and they're like, should I check out this one or that one? I, I would go beanpole. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. I just think it's a better made film, and I think if you like to be sad, then maybe <laughs> this is the way that you could like to be sad. I often like to be sad, and this was just a step too far for me. Not in the sense that I was offended by it at all. Uh, like I said, I suspect there's some iffy politics underlying some of this writing but it's mm. not out there in your face i think you could watch it and not be bothered by that i don't think there's anything that's like gross in the sense of like who the fuck is this person you know what i mean like i didn't want to punch anyone in the nose or anything but uh but i did feel like it fell short of engaging like it, it i don't mean entertainment like i don't need it to put on a dog and pony show but i don't i didn't feel engaged by the story as much as i was horrified at an emotional level you know yeah I mean? it definitely doesn't engage the viewer in more than like a purely voyeuristic uh to their right. pain like uh that's what it felt like to me like i was just watching people fucked up <laughs> that's that's what it was you know what i mean like a lot of times you're right like the connection happens when you have these characters that you vest yourself in and uh, right. I didn't I definitely didn't get that with these movies, like other than the the vestment of sympathy again, uh, you know, uh, we should definitely say this is our limited experience. Like we are both men. So maybe we didn't connect with the gender sort of dynamics here in some way. We're not Russian and we're not Russian history experts. So maybe there was something to the context we didn't get. Um, but, you know, I would make the argument that, for example, uh, director Bong's movies are actually pretty specific, but they somehow connect to people who don't know all the things about the context. And and for us as viewers, it felt like we couldn't get there, you know, that there wasn't yeah. enough to pull pull us there. Um, but again, I, I didn't feel after after closest, I kind of felt like. Ugh, I don't know. I, not quite like I had wasted my time, but I, I wasn't stoked. No, this, I definitely I felt dirty after closeness. Like, whoa, yeah. you know yeah, what I but, mean? Like, but when this ended, as much as I felt like maybe this was not that maybe this was an exercise in cruelty, I still felt like it's a work of art. Like, I still felt like there was something there that I was like, well, I, you know, I'm not stoked I watched it, but I don't feel bad I watched it either. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. I would even dare to say that there are parts of it that I really did enjoy. Yes, um, I agree. 
But again, it was just a rough watch overall. I don't know why the fuck I picked these movies. I'm gonna put that out there too. Other than well, I that, don't think you knew. I don't think you knew how depressing they are. Like usually, yeah. you leave the picking the depressing movies to me. Yeah, but that's I true. think um, I think uh, you just were like, you know, you had circumstances, and so you were like, let's just do this. Cool, two movies. We cover this guy's whole filmography. It'll be <laughs> neat. They're foreign films, whatever. And you had no idea that about how. Granted, this is why Letterbox exists. You just go yeah. on Letterbox and see what people said about it. I get it. I, I don't keep up with my Letterbox though. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't even need to keep up with yours. You could just write what other people wrote about. It. <laughs> yeah, you're or right. Read what other people wrote about. It. You're right. You're definitely right. <laughs> I mean, I definitely read uh, a little bit about Beanpole before I watched it, so I kind of went in knowing like this is going to be rough. But even knowing that though, it was a little more rough than I realized. Yeah, dude, it was. I knew it was rough just from the trailer, and I was like, okay, this is going to be like fucked up, just because uh, anthology film arc. I put out a trailer with the thing, so I saw it that way. But also, I was like, it does like even the trailer looks beautiful. So. Um, as far as this director's development goes, his visual aesthetic is definitely improved from the first movie to the second one. But man, that is some dour filmmaking right there, buddy. <laughs> Didn't know. Did not know. Was unaware. If you're looking to get bummed out, maybe maybe your response to the pandemic is, hey, I want to watch something that's a real bum out. <laughs> I think this could, could do the trick. And I would definitely yeah. recommend Beanpole over uh, Closeness for that. Uh, I think... I think uh, if that's your if that's your vibe, this might actually be fun for you. Um, I I you know for whatever reason this was just not my bum out vibe, and maybe maybe I'm getting soft as a parent. Maybe <laughs> I'm getting soft, but uh, but uh, it it was whatever. But I, I'm still here's the thing: if I can watch it for free, I would still watch this guy's next movie just because I'm curious to see where it goes and 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 what the progression is you know yeah 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 but it's definitely again it's a it's a director in a sense for sure it's definitely watching someone get their wings and uh i can appreciate that but uh again these wings aren't exactly things that i think resonate with me i don't know if this movie is exactly it's not for me you know what i mean all right. Well, I guess that's all we have to say about that. I, you know, I feel like we got pretty in depth without ruining anything uh, and spoiling anything. There are definitely some surprises, not just that initial tragic event, but the whole movie had surprises actually. For yeah, me. yeah. So, uh, I would advise not watching these as a double feature because I mean, it true. Is, I, if that's what you're into, like, yo, go for it. But also, if you're just feeling kind of there, like, maybe not. You know, go the full. The full bore on this one. You know, give it some room to breathe. That'd be my advice. <laughs> I feel that. All right. Well, hey, thanks for listening to this uh, very depressing episode. <laughs> yeah. And I uh, hope you guys are being safe. And uh, thank you for listening to us at all. And yeah. uh, also, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe uh, to our show wherever uh, wherever you listen to podcasts and on Yo. iTunes and all that stuff. Yeah. Check out check out our Patreon. Follow us on social media. Cinepunk, C-I-N-E-P-O-N-X on all the socials and the website. And you can follow Josh on Twitter at Poji Fatboy. You can follow me on Twitter at Liam Rules. Uh, and you can follow you know, Cinepunks wherever. And, and you know, give us some feedback. We want to know what you're thinking. If you got something you want us to talk about or you want us to cover, let us know. Uh, uh, but we'd love to know, you know what's going on with you, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're pretty open to discussion, so just hit us up, and uh, we'll we'll talk. It'll be good. So uh, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.
Okay, bye. Bye-bye. Smoke bomb. Do you like spooky movies? Hair-raising tales. Insightful criticism. Judgmental hot takes. Then you're going to love Horror Business, the horror podcast on the Cinepunks Podcast Network dedicated to all things weird and spooky. My name is Leo Donald. And I'm Justin Lore. And every episode, we're going to tear apart your favorite and not-so-favorite horror movies to get to the bottom of what makes these movies great or maybe not great. Whether it's The Beyond, Prince of Darkness, or Inseminoid, we dive in on a double feature every episode, and then we talk about it. Some of our insights are great, and sometimes we just complain. So if we have to suffer through it, so do you. Horror Business, available anywhere you find fine podcast products. Do you scan the night sky in search of unidentified aerial phenomena? Do you lose sleep over strange projects funded by the CIA? Ever wonder which orifices ectoplasm comes out of? Come explore the unexplained and unexplainable with us on our podcast, Weird, Obscure, and Possibly Unsafe. We'll talk about telepomancy, haunted railroads, sentient umbrella spirits, mind-altering video games, remote viewing, SpongeBob conspiracy theories, and only gets weirder from there. Each episode will share three stories about all the weird things they tell you not to believe. Weird, obscure, and possibly unsafe. Available anywhere you get your podcasts. Hey! Hey.